Now's the time to tell tales of the unaccountable. Zambi, what do you fear? What do you fear? Consider you find someone mummified. I already like this story. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We just need you to hunt the giant owl. He just looks too suave to be Dracula. <laughs> too suave to be Dracula. Remember, you are bringing her back to life, so there is that. You got that to pony up on. Be afraid. Be marginally afraid. Welcome to Pulp Nightmare. I'm Mike. I am MB. And I am Hero. Welcome to the 50th episode of Pulp Nightmare. A landmark. We have officially arrived as a podcast. 50 episodes of... Uh, something. Of, of something. Almost... All, uh, some quality. <laughs> you can't even put it into words with that <laughs> monumental. Some remote quality. Yeah, I mean, we have it our moments. In 50 episodes, like, if we hadn't had our moments, we should have just killed ourselves. To be fair, we're going to do that anyway. I'm planning on it every day of my life. Eventually. It's going to be how he ends an episode one day. <laughs> That's... Pleasant nightmares. <laughs> Flood! Oh, then, you hear fl- then you hear wings flapping. Uh, uh, <laughs> not cool, man. All right, but Hero's here. This is the 50th episode, so clearly something special should happen. I mean, obviously, us just having 50 episodes cannot be enough. We have to raise the stakes. Raise the stakes? Raise the bar. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) (laughs) And that right there exemplifies the past 50 episodes of Um, well, we teased it back in um, some of Hero's early appearances. We, My secret origin. We alluded a special Hero appearance down the line, and this is it. Yeah, something we called Quizmaster Hero. So it was... and, and just so everyone's clear, this is not a repeat of Hero's famous game, <laughs> Are You USA Enough? <laughs> Thank God. Um... No, I came to Hero with an idea quite some time ago for the 50th episode where Hero would quiz MB and I with questions about ourselves. So he would ask um, questions to MB about me, and I'd get asked questions about MB. I don't know what these questions are. They could be fucking awful. They will be. I'm sure. So. But... We also can't guarantee that this won't devolve into absolute nastiness. Like, essentially, this may be the end of the podcast as we know it, because we get so offended at each other. This could very well be the last episode ever. And you know Stay what? Stay tuned, 50, folks. You know what? 50 episodes is a good number to go out on. I think so. I would prefer 666, but I would go with 50. <laughs> <laughs> you have that plan from the beginning. Maybe. But, um, all right, Hero. You're, you're going to be the host of this, Pulp Nightmare Quiz. I got my Quizmaster suit already. Exactly. For the 50th episode, MB and I are just sitting back and relaxing. Are you really wearing a suit? Yeah. It's green, covered in question marks. 
I'd like to thank the good people at Brooks Brothers for providing it for me. I was really hoping it would be blue and covered in yellow question marks. You've been obsessed with that guy from... <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't been? From I think with Mike, though, it's like he, it's been a childhood obsession that has haunted him for his days. Matt, what, Matthew Lesko? That guy's like your idol. He's such a complex character. I mean, he dresses like a supervillain, but he helps people get free money, so he's like Robin Hood. It's he's fascinating. I just want to know everything about him. He's I just he's a he's, he's a question mark himself. <laughs> You're the Chase Meridian to his Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows secrets the government doesn't want you to know about. He's a man of mystery. He's probably being hunted right now. He, he may have already been killed, but I don't think he can be killed. He's too powerful he, for that. He is the comedian. <laughs> he was the Julian Assange of the 90s. <laughs> All right, Hero. You ready? I am. Take it away. Now, I'm not going to lie. I had a little trouble coming up with the list. Shut so up. I had to get some outside help. Did you get help from now, now, it took me a little while, but after a long search and at great personal expense, I was able to briefly consult the Quizzical Utility Interface Zeitgeist. Metronomic Organizational Terabyte Roundoff Network, or Quizmotron for short. You see, built by Soviet scientists during the darkest days of the Cold War, Quizmotron was obtained by the American government shortly before the fall of the Berlin Wall. As part of the famous Lexington Compact, during which several red scientists and their works were exchanged for high-profile political prisoners, most notably Mikhail Rostropovich, the self-dubbed prowler of St. Petersburg. Now, originally developed day in the interrogation of capturing U.S. spies, Quizmotron was reprogrammed for civilian use, and after its technology had been properly reverse-engineered, President George Herbert Walker Bush released it into the custody of Merv Griffin Productions as a gift for the media mogul's 75th birthday. Under their employ, it would spend the next four and a half years providing questions for the syndicated game show Jeopardy until a highly pro publicized row with announcer Johnny Gilbert led to its termination. Now, a pariah of the entertainment industry, Quizmotron was bought and sold by several corporations over the next decade, developing thorough and insightful quizzes for the likes of Dean Common and Steve Jobs, until finally being auctioned off to one Franklin F. McLaughlin Jr., a private collector whose keen interest in Cold War technology was matched only by the size of his bank account. His fortune inherited and his days idle, McLaughlin sought no guidance or wisdom from Quizmotron, but desired only to match wits with the great supercomputer, happily whiling away the hours with endless trivia questions. But sadly, in the summer of 2004, tragedy struck. While McLaughlin was at a charity wine tasting, a rare social outing encouraged by his steel companion, his chateau was raided by a band of well-funded international thieves with ties to several foreign militias and terrorist groups. They made off with Quizmotron and the rest of the reclusive tycoon's Cold War memorabilia. The mystery of how they carried the 14-ton lump of machinery without an industrial crane still, as of now, unsolved. When informed of the theft, McLaughlin was said to be so grief-stricken that he died on the spot, a fact that must weigh heavily on the computer's silicone soul if it is indeed aware of what happened. Now, guys, this is where things get a little complicated, because there are several conflicting accounts on what happened to the computer after its theft. There is documentation of it being briefly seen in the homes of many key players in the European drug trade, in addition to at least one month in the possession of French actor Gerard Depardieu. 
However, date it at roughly the same time as a photo of it standing in the VIP room of a casino in Ridgewood, Rhode Island, although the image could possibly have been manipulated. In any instance, this is where the trail went cold until April of last year when a local newspaper in Little Rock, Arkansas, reported that the neon number cruncher was currently employed at a local carnival, delivering amusing novelty questions to passersby for a small fee. After exchanging emails and credit card numbers with its employers, they allowed me to send Quizmotron a compact disc containing all 49 episodes of Pulp Nightmare, which it then scanned and analyzed thoroughly, compiling 20 flawless questions, which it promised me will test your knowledge of each other and push the boundaries of your friendship to the breaking point and beyond. Mike, MB, are you ready for the first question? Yes. Indeed. All right. This one's for both of you. What is the first memory you each have of the other? Mike, you go first. (sighs) Probably that's sultry summer night in Panama. You you said you would never bring that up again. I'm sorry. That was for us. Sorry. I'm sorry. You take over. Sorry. You know, he led me to his room with promises of promises of just, you know, business. Just business. But when I walked in, he was wearing his robe. An open robe. There were oils sprayed out all across the dining room table of his room. Um, I eat in my room. (laughs) (laughs) You would. I'm sorry, Hero, are you expecting serious answers? (laughs) Oh, yeah, but I'll allow it. Well, actually, I do. I did just recently remember the first time Mike and I really kind of Almost kind of the start of our relationship. We were on a internet forum, let's just say, and that's where we first met. And I got to know him a little bit, but we weren't necessarily communicating, I would say. So at one point, he insults some hapless, hapless <laughs> idiot. And the guy. I think he said something to Ken like, what is wrong with you? And I replied, Mike only does things that make sense to Mike. <laughs> now, I thought nothing about it. I I thought nothing of it whatsoever. I didn't expect him to reply. But not only did he reply, he private messaged me a quote from Batman saying, Joker only does things that only Joker understands. And at the bottom it says, I have to thank you for that. <laughs> that would be how you two would meet. <laughs> that was actually going to be my serious answer, too. I remember PMing, uh, sending you a private message uh, on something involving the Joker, but I don't remember what it was. I, I imagine it was just because... The way we got to know each other was there was this thread on a forum that a lot of us would frequent that was kind of separated from the rest of the forum. And it was actually an avatar and wallpaper thread. The Batman DKR avatar request thread. <laughs> that old meeting place. <laughs> like, this was almost a decade ago. I know. It's it's weird to look back on, to be honest. And I don't even know if it's there anymore. If it is, I haven't found it. I don't think you have found it either. 
Uh, no, I think they actually got erased in the Great but, Purge. But there were a few of us, and out of all of us, I think Mike and I were honestly the only two that went on to become actual real friends because there was one friend that we had that we don't talk to anymore. No. And, and I mean, we ones, were friends with him for a while. We've talked about him on the show before, Chris. We went through his wedding like yeah. two years ago or something. Ed was involved. Yeah, Ed. There's oh, yeah, a, Ed was there. There's people we're still Ed. friends with, like Jane, who I talk still stalk every once in a while. But you two are like the one couple in the eHarmony commercial. <laughs> made <a big> net. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, pretty much. We fuck way more, though. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's healthy. It's healthy. It can get a little vile, though. Yeah. Well, when he brings out the oils, I mean, how could it not? The oils and the belts. The spiked chain. By the way, I love how you talk about superhero hype like it's Spectre or something. (laughs) We were posting on a certain message board. (laughs) Just looking around for somebody with a dart gun to shoot you. It was a long time ago. I mean, it was a long, so long ago. People posted on message boards. <laughs> that frontier. I mean, that was a long fucking time ago. I mean, that was back when they wouldn't let you have avatars or signatures <laughs> because they thought you would abuse them. <laughs> and they were that, right, to be fair. But. That being a huge point of contention in the early days of the hype. Like Malice had said that there would never be avatars or signatures on this web. On this internet forum, because they were respectable. <laughs> they took that. The people who ran that site took it way too seriously. Yeah, it's like it's a site called Superhero Hype, man. Calm the fuck down. But in any case, that is where we first met, and that's where that was our first. An unholy union was born. Yeah, that has birthed a podcast empire, and somehow and- a zombie. Yes. Kennison the zombie is a result of superhero hype. Result of that dark night in Mike's house. Well, <laughs> <laughs> when I asked you that question, I half expected both of you to start reciting the scene from uh, Batman Forever, where Batman and Robin shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. Well, one of the things I was going to go with was, uh, you know, I walk into. Mike's parents' funeral, and there's a red book, and I take it and I race out into the storm. Then I fall, and a giant Mike appears out of the shadows, flapping his arms at me. <laughs> it but appears in the I'd darkness, go with, two gunshots. I, I figured I'd, I'd keep it tame for the podcast. All right. Mike, this one's for you. Okay. When the. Don't get an attitude, man. <laughs> when the two of you first met, what age was MB pretending to be? 26. Is that true, MB? That is true. Yeah. Interesting piece of trivia. When we first met on a fucking internet message board of all places, MB was pretending to be in his 20s. <laughs> his mid-20s, so people would respect him more. So he didn't just come off as some dumb kid. This was, like I said, quite a while ago. Yeah. The ironic thing is he just came off as a 26-year-old who had the mind of a uh, guy in his early teens. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wasn't very good at playing the part. 
He was a 26-year-old who was just fucking nuts for Batman. <laughs> it, was, it was years before I ever told you my real age. It was. Like, it's weird I, when I think about it. Like, why did I keep talking to you? That was only like five years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. It was really weird. It, it took you so long. Well, Your relationship was based on lies. I, I loved it, though, when he told me. I thought it was like the greatest fucking thing ever. Because it mean, was just like so MB at that point. <laughs> it's yeah, it's true. I was by the way when I first met you, my first my actual age was, uh, I think fourteen. I have you no were idea. Bored. Yeah, not only was he pretending to be twenty six, he was in reality younger than me by like, several for, years. <laughs> like, it's so weird. It is. And also, my username on there was less than respectable. No, it was, um, that, you don't have any questions about his usernames, do you? Uh, that comes later. Okay, I won't. We'll save it for them. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. I'm satisfied with that one. Fucking thank God. <laughs> now, MB, what episode of Batman the Animated Series inspired the two of you to create Pulp Commentary? That would be I've got Batman in my basement. Is that correct, Mike? Yes. Because we came up with this insane scenario where it features the most nonchalant edition of that episode, the vulture that works for the penguin. (laughs) That he, you know, he flies over the house that Batman is currently staying in and reports on all that. And we just came up with this backstory. I don't even know how it got started. I have no fucking clue, but it somehow came out of, like, Paul Dini had left his uh, favorite pen at the <laughs> I office. I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> at the Batman the Animated Series offices. It was after dark. It was, you know, lights out. So he went back up. No one was supposed to be there. He walked in, and he went over to his desk, and there was Bruce Tim. Viciously forcing himself and molesting a giant vulture. <laughs> As Tim often does. And the vulture was, stone. Yeah, and just moving his hand, just like just molesting it. Like the vulture didn't even want it. Like this was an evil, <laughs> evil thing to do. And it just broke Paul Dini's mind and he it's ran like, out. It's like the vulture didn't even want it. <laughs> it's like when I picture this, I just see Paul Dini. Just staring wide-eyed towards camera, and it's like the shadows of Bruce Tim and the Vulture's <laughs> wild wings. It looks like a Batman the Animated Series episode. I remember Paul Dini like looked, and he just sees like Bruce Tim's back, and you see these fucking wings flying over the place, and the Vulture is kicking. Like it's horrifying. He runs out. He runs home. He immediately calls Alan Burnett and spills oh, his guts out. Burnett. To him. <laughs> He's just weeping in terror. And it got to the point where Alan Burnett has to move in with Paul Dini because Paul Dini's constantly trying to commit suicide because he cannot get over <laughs> this event. And every time Paul Dini goes to commit suicide, Paul, Alan Burnett's just walking in but carrying food of some kind, a plate of food, a piece of food, and always drops and goes, no, and then runs over to try to stop Paul Dini from killing himself. Like at one point he was holding like a plate of um, pigs and blankets, and he drops it. Another time he's like eating banana, he throws it down, and 
a we, giant stack of pancakes. She throws it to the side. I think you two eventually stop at Haggis. <laughs> I believe Haggis was brought up. I think finger sandwiches was one of them. <laughs> yes, I remember finger sandwiches. <laughs> By the way, this whole this entire scenario went from a, was out of a twenty two minute cartoon, and it went on for an hour and a half. <laughs> that was the first thing we'd ever fucking watched together at the same time, and that's essentially where Pulp Commentary was born from. Oh, that's where oh Pulp my Nightmare was come was born, really. Pretty much. Oh my god! Yeah, oh. Bruce Tim molesting a large bird. <laughs> that is still one of my favorite running jokes of all time between the two of us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's lasted years, constantly going, bring up Paul Dini about to kill himself. And, and to this day, whenever I see a picture of Bruce Tim, I inwardly just start cracking up. It's impossible not to get it in your head. Because he just looks like a guy who would molest a bird of prey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't... Like, I can't even watch Batman in my basement. I thought I would go out of my way to actually watch that episode. Well, you would for the one scene where Batman's like, oh, I'm unconscious. Get pills. Get drugs out get of the car. Children, while we're here alone, go get the drugs in my car. Unbubbing them in here. Utility belt. Uh, don't mind. In fact, I'm wearing tights. Unclothe me, Billy. Get my medication. And the fact that the kid looks like Bruce Tim in that episode makes it all the more worse. <laughs> There's some shit going on in that episode look behind the scenes. <laughs> a lot of emotional shit getting worked out on the page. Exactly. But yeah, that whole Bruce Tim thing, I it just shows you how long that has lasted because to this day, it is like, we have, like I would say, millions of running jokes. Oh, between yeah. the two of us. I mean, we come up with a new one like every week. And that one has stood out above the rest. Yeah, I think that one was still going as early, uh, as late as last year. I think we just made a reference to it just two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, in like a nostalgic kind of way. Yeah. Good times. And Bruce Tim fucking that bird is the glue that holds you two together. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, thank it's God for a- Bruce Tim molesting that bird, who's dead now. But it's <laughs> a new wrinkle. <laughs> Paul Dini has to solve the murder. Paul Dini goes up to his grave. It just doesn't hurt as much anymore. <laughs> Won't you let me be happy? I didn't count on being happy. <laughs> Helen Burnett walks up to him with an umbrella. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they, <laughs> they embrace. Maybe the giant vulture sent me. <laughs> Paul Dini dons a giant vulture costume. Paul Bur- Alan Burnett just drops a tray of brownies. Goes, my god! Dramatic music is playing. Okay, satisfied. Uh, yeah, I'm very satisfied. <laughs> Right. I've been waiting to tell that story on this podcast <laughs> since it began. So, in episode 50, perfect time to tell that story. Exactly. I'm just in love with the mental image of Paul Dini kneeling in front of the grave of the vulture. Where there's like this giant sculpture of the vulture looking down at him unforgivingly. <laughs> Lightning flashes. <laughs> uh, so, Mike. 
Name as many of MB's former screen names as you can. Okay. And you will be timed. All right. BMBW, Master Bruce, Two-Face, Batman, Scarecrow. This does include Battleboard. Oh, um, Primetime, Master Vane, Zane Train. I would say that's pretty good. There were a couple that you missed, but yeah, it's really good. You passed the lightning round. Okay. I wasn't timing you, by the way. I didn't think you did what were. One that you forgot was uh, Mr. Freeze. Fuck, I forgot about that one. I went with Scarecrow and Two-Face, though. Yeah. Like that you were at one point Mr. Freeze. <laughs> and all of my all of the text that I posted in was glowing blue. <laughs> he thought that shit out. I know, and I played characters on that board. That was weird. Those were weird times. Spectacular it was. times. But you, but you got to make the most amazing avatars on that board. <laughs> yeah, that board had no avatar limits, so I would make one there I made an entire an avatar that was the entire scene. From Tim Burns' Batman of the first time we see the Joker in <laughs> <Chris's> office. <laughs> Those Wild West days. Those were great. Anyways, that's uh, that's satisfying. Stop asking me if I'm satisfied. <laughs> it's a little creepy. Does satisfy you, one, you, boy? You were the one that brought it up. <laughs> Does that satisfy you? Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't do sexy hades guy. We'll be here all night. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Listen to Pulp Commentary of Friday the 13th. Where we talk about everything but the movie. Yeah. Alright. Congrats for making it to the big 5-0, boys. (laughs) I'm out of here. (laughs) Alright, MB. Name at least four of the figurines that populate Mike's room. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, I've actually seen the figurines, so he has a Green Lantern Rebirth Hal Jordan figure. He has a Spawn statue. He has a two-pack of the Joker and Harley Quinn by El Tross. And, hmm. Come on, I, what's the one he mentions all the time? Oh, uh, the Cthulhu bobblehead. Yes. MB, you have passed the lightning round. I'm going to say that at the end of all of these questions, by the way. I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you left out my uh, parallax figure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did have that. I was I was wondering if you had parallax or blackhand. I wish I had blackhand. Um, and my hush joker, and I also have another spawn statue. And you yeah. make them do horrible things to each other at night, don't you? You have no idea, man. I mean, do you really need even need to ask? Because he has the Harley figure. Uh, She's up to no good. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Something I've always wanted to ask you. You have the Harley figure, and you have the Harley Christmas tree ornament. Yep. Do they ever interact? Yes. I'm not going to ask a... Another question. <laughs> That's all me and the people at home needed to know. Alright, Mike. If MB could own one piece of movie memorabilia from any era, what would it be? Um, Probably Batman's grappling hook from uh, Tim Burton's Batman. 
Ox up there. Really? Because it varies from time to time. That's the thing. It's like some days I'd like to have the Batmobile. Some days I'd like to have the Bat suit. Some days I would just want like a Two Face coin. <laughs> I like your delivery on that. Sometimes I like the Batmobile, and sometimes I like the Bat suits. Sometimes you're I just a, like the Two Face coin. Yeah. You're in a commercial for Batman memorabilia. <laughs> I feel like a Two Face coin today. <laughs> I don't think there would be ever ever a day where you didn't like just want that grappling hook because it has that because there's that great close up of it in the movie when he goes to fire it. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I, I, I gotta admit, I would frame that on my wall if I had that. <laughs> you would use it to fend off burglars. <laughs> that's not working, Batman. You've betrayed me, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be Sean killed. <laughs> Two shots, two shots in the darkness, Batman. <laughs> Twin Peaks again. <laughs> it's um, like a force of nature. Can I have a follow-up question? Uh, sure. Same question, but for me. That was going to be the next question. Oh well, go on. I didn't know you would be like that unoriginal, but go on. Mike. Oh. You mean MB? Well, first. <laughs> I, was I was going to say what I was trying to say was that. Answer actually surprises me because I would have been certain that it would be the ring from the Phantom, or at least one of the skulls. Batman always trumps the Phantom. Yeah, I hate to admit it, but that wouldn't even register on my radar because of the amount of Batman items I could have. Fair enough. Oh, just but so I you know, where your head is at, I, I will say that. Just so you know, even though it's not film, that that would have also included the Mythbusters phantom ring that says MB. <laughs> <laughs> so you just passed up that opportunity. <laughs> Way to go, MB. <laughs> Instead, you just get this grappling gun. <laughs> All right. MB, same question, names reversed. <laughs> okay. Well, the piece of movie memorabilia that Mike would own. Now... I don't know if this is the accurate answer, but it's a guess I want to make, if that's okay. The the costume, the the skull cowboy costume from the deleted scene of The Crow. (laughs) I would want that. That is a terrifying image. I would want that, but... hmm, I would want that, but I would probably want to go with the Rocketeer's helmet. Huh. Now, see, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have, if anything, I would have said something like the Shadow's scarf or something. That was a pimp scarf. It was. But, I mean, we're going with, like, what we would want most of all. Yeah. Probably the Rocketeers. Maybe just the entire Rocketeer costume, actually. To be fair, the world is filled with scarves. I think think at one point there was actually an eBay auction that had a full-blown... Rocketeer costume. I remember with, with a jetpack. Yeah, I remember that. And you were so devastated that you could not get it. Like you, you would text me day in and day out about that same auction. MB sell a kidney so I can buy that <laughs> on the black market. Like sympathy for Mister Vengeance. Um, but yeah, probably uh, Rocketeer helmet or costume. I would have also accepted uh, the Predator's gun that's on his uh, shoulder. Ooh. Oh, you have mentioned that a couple times. I didn't think about that. Also accepted that. 
See, the Rocketeer helmet doesn't surprise me because that's almost a gas mask. <laughs> that makes sense for you. <laughs> I have problems, okay? By the way, I just want to bring this up. Um, we're recording this the weekend after Adam Savage appeared at Comic-Con wearing the Rocketeer helmet and a black suit. That was amazing. <sighs> it was Who's... like he became Mike for a day. <laughs> Adam Savage is science, Mike. <laughs> science, Mike. I'm so glad we live in a world where where somebody did that and just walked around wearing that helmet but normal clothes. <laughs> and it's Adam Savage. That's that just makes it um that just makes it the greatest thing ever. Like a uh, bag of badass. My favorite Adam Savage story is still the time he met the guy who wrote the wanted adaptation <laughs> at a party and just walked up to him and said, The loom of fate. Didn't say hello, just said the loom of fate. And then walked away. <laughs> Then put on his Rocketeer helmet and blast it off. This is why Adam Savage needs to be a guest on Pulp Nightmare. <laughs> he would, too. It, but going back to the Rocketeer thing and me wanting it, I've been obsessed with that helmet since I was little. First time I watched the movie. Been obsessed with the Im- Art Deco image of that helmet. Well, let me just say something to sort of follow up to the answer to your question earlier about what I would want. If I were to own anything from the Phantom, it would be the belt. Because <sighs> that would be awesome. That's just the one belt. the one with the hole in it. Yeah. So that I could <laughs> so that I could occasionally stick my finger through it and said, This is where I stabbed him with a twelve inch blade. <laughs> and then Mike would Mike would pop in on, on Skype and said, You stabbed him in the back. Yeah. I underestimated you, Andy. <laughs> You would just like the idea of wearing something that technically belonged to both the Phantom and James Ramar. <laughs> Period, James Ramar. And Billy Zane. Don't forget Billy Zane. He falls under the header of the Phantom. Yeah, I Don't guess. Think- I could I consider it like an added piece of legendary. Yeah, MB, don't accuse me of leaving out Billy Zane. I well, fair enough. Listen, no one would accuse any of us of leaving out Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane is always in the back of our minds at all times. I'm the having only, sex. I'm thinking of Billy. <laughs> the only reason I corrected you was because I cared too much. <laughs> this is actually a Billy Zane podcast. You've just never gotten around to mentioning it. Exactly. Kinnison is future Billy Zane. Look at his look, look at his facial features. It's Billy Zane. Just add the hair. My God. Secrets coming out. Secrets. <laughs> this is a riveting 50th episode. All right, so... Hope Nightmare <laughs> issue 50. Secrets revealed. <laughs> there's that, there's that magician with that weird mask on. Things. <laughs> he unmasks. It's Flexo. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I have always known. I'm on my deathbed. Flexo! (laughs) You're clutching at your chest. (laughs) With my last breath, I curse Flexo. (laughs) Now I want Mike to really say that when he dies. (laughs) Make a note of it. You kill Mike just so it can happen. 
Even if I'm drowning somewhere. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Mike, what is MB's greatest weakness? Taco Bell. I accept that. Absolutely. There's never a time that I would never eat Taco Bell. Unless Ed was in presence, in which case I'll pass it up. Because you just don't want to hear about his limp dick. Yeah, I mean... But you could eat a hard taco. I could, but then that would open up to... Oh, that reminds me of a limp dick. He would find a way to... <laughs> he throw it in there anyway. Yeah, he would find a way to fit it in in any conversation. It has white stuff on it. It's a whole thing. Uh, yeah. I don't want to do it around Ed. <laughs> you know what, MB? I respect that. <laughs> respect what? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> just Fair enough. Came out. <laughs> well but done, yeah. B. <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking about it the other day, and I gotta admit, Taco Bell was like, I would never not eat that. Taco Bell is fucking irresistible. It is. Even when it's bad, it's good. It is. Even though it's only twenty percent meat, I'd still eat it. <laughs> Well, uh, here. What question were you? What answer were you expecting? Just curious. Uh, something Batman related. Batman's not a weakness. MB does not see Batman. <laughs> no. MB's greatest weakness is that he does not see Batman as a weakness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, I've gotten into conversations with Mike where he's berated me for liking Batman, and I'm like, I don't see how that's a. I don't see how that's a bad thing. Like, like I've literally said. My greatest strength is that I like that much. <laughs> it is. Interesting I, enough, MB also has the power to control fire, but he still doesn't consider that his greatest strength. I can also summon the Giver armor. He doesn't use it for anything useful, though. <laughs> I, I try to open a carton of milk. I can't. Giver! <laughs> Save me, Mark Hamill. <laughs> Mustache Hamill. All right, go on. Alright, that was MB's greatest weakness. Now for the flip side. MB, what is Mike's greatest strength? Greatest strength. I would say his ability to track down any porn star anywhere on Twitter and immediately friend them. For the folks at home, MB is not exaggerating. <laughs> I have seen Mike do this, and it is impressive. Um, and I would, terrifying. I would go with that. I would extend it to my entire internet stalking capabilities. I you can know, find yeah. people, man. Yeah, you know what? I'll 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 agree to that. Like you, you are an undisputed master of. You're like Craven the Hunter <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> or, the like, Batman, or the Batman Beyond villain, the stalker, just because I have <laughs> tattoos all over. Your <laughs> I'm the futuristic ripoff of Craven the Hunter. Exactly. Voice no, by you, all of them. You were like just it's like you're like Liam Neeson in Taken, but with porn stars. <laughs> Which I also believe is the plot of Taken too. It's very possible. So yeah, I, I accept MB's answer. I agree. It's it's talent. It's a gift and it's a curse. <laughs> Who is Wampa? he? He's Spider Mike. <laughs> Sensational Spider Mike. If it gets him laid, he'll do it. <sighs> Radioactive spider blood. <laughs> now, Mike. Fuck, marry, kill. 
Vengeance MB, Sherlock MB, MB Unbound. <laughs> what? <laughs> you heard me. Can you repeat again? I'm lost there. Fuck, marry, or kill. Vengeance MB, Sherlock MB, MB Unbound. You have to assign one to one MB. I would have to kill MB Unbound, because he needs to be stopped. He does. He's a, he's a monster. Um, At what cost? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd fuck Vengeance MB, because he knows how to get shit done. <laughs> <laughs> and I would marry Sherlock MB, because why not? <laughs> you made the widest decision. I mean, you don't want... And be unbound on your ass. No. That's, that's terrifying. <laughs> I like how we build up this whole mythology of me. <laughs> I don't think you've ever even mentioned Sherlock MB on the show before. Unbound, we have it. Unbound MB, I think we mentioned, but not by name. Yeah. What's funny is that he's gone through kind of a metamorphosis. Like, first it was murderous MB. Yeah. Then it was MB Unbound, where he got hardcore. Yeah. Uh, hardcore MB. He was like pissing on orphans and lighting them on. <laughs> it was a whole thing. He became would... Bubbles from Powerpuff Girl. If he, if he was an option, I think you would pick marrying Hardcore MB just because he's the most like you. It's the most metal MB. Besides, uh, counting, of no, course, Maryland, Maryland metal MB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many MBs, so little time. <laughs> MB, do you agree? Crisis with that? on Infinite MB. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. MB. What in God's name does Mike do for money? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let me think. Well, first, he has to store enough to rent a giant Zephyr. With the giant Zephyr, he concocts a plan. He's going to fly over Philadelphia and spray a gas over it that will render its citizens poisoned with the Ebola virus. He will offer the cure for $500 a piece, and he will offer it to the mayor. Now, the mayor will refuse, and in this refusal, Mike will burst into the room, carrying a lighter and gasoline, and exclaim at the top of his lungs, The legend has returned! And then burn everyone on fire. He will never get paid. So in essence, I've never even answered your question. Yet somehow that is the correct answer. It is, actually, weirdly enough. I'm disturbed that you had that on hand. He knows me well. I'm surprised I had it either. Like I Myself, yeah. I always am. I always imagine you just rented out your VHS tapes like that kid in the Sasquatch gang. (laughs) (laughs) He does have, like, an insane collection of action figures that he would probably be able to sell out, but he would keep a select few. Like the villain from the Big Bad Beetleborgs. With that awesome costume. (laughs) Fucking love that guy, man. I'd also keep Metalhead from G.I. Joe Extreme. And your one figure of the Shadow. I actually have a few figures of the Shadow, but i got to keep the one that's armor because it's so ridiculous. I know. Do you have the one whose eyes glow whenever you shine light into the top of the hat? Yeah, that's the one I have. He's armored. You shine light, eyes glow. Well, actually, there's a I have, there's a few different Shadow figures that have that. I have them, too. 
Yeah, uh, actually, I used to have a shadow figure that was Lamont, and you could clip on the shadow. Yeah, his, his head goes down. I have two. Yeah, that's of those. the one I had. I have two of those, and, he, and the shadow had a gas mask on for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I never understood that, but you could also like shine him up to a light, and his eyes will glow. Yeah, those. Are the, I have two of those and armored shadow. Yeah. What you just listened to was a preview of Mike and MB's upcoming podcast, Extreme Nineties. Premiering soon on the Pulp Podcast Network. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. If exclusively on the 50th episode of Pulp Nightmare. You heard it here first. And last, because this episode's not going anywhere. I think it's going... It's gone to enough places already. <laughs> Alright, Mike. To celebrate the long-awaited release of Deadpool, the motion picture, you host a luau in your backyard luring over M.B. with the promise of a bottomless shrimp bowl. In the middle of the festivities, however, an irresponsibly placed tiki torch sets M.B. aflame, and he goes running into the swamps that surround your home, plunging himself into the briny deep. A token funeral is held, in which a dog-eared copy of Batman Hush is buried in the place of a body. Eventually, though, a hulking figure emerges from the water, not man, not plant, but something in between. He is Swamp MB, and he will have his revenge on the man whose luau robbed him of his humanity. Observing this terrifying metamorphosis from your surveillance cameras, you quickly assemble a plan to defend yourself from the coming Floronic Holocaust. Mike, what is your plan? <laughs> <laughs> that is the greatest question that has ever been asked by anyone. I like how somehow you work in a creep show reference. A Floronic Holocaust. That, that That's Quizmotron, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, that robot. Um, what would be my weapon of choice to defeat Swamp MB? Well, what would be Indeed. your plan? Oh, what would be my, my weapon or my plan? The whole thing. Just all of it. Just the whole damn thing. That whole mess. All right. I would get together the exact items Marv gets in Sin City. <laughs> Including your mitts? Including my myths, which aren't really that useful, but I would get them anyway. So I would set up a trap with the barbed wire, just like Mar just like Marv does. It would go exactly the same, actually, for the most part. But instead of a dog to eat MB, I would sick vegans on him. <laughs> Ravenous <laughs> vegans. I knew you were going to say that too. <laughs> oh God! So I would tie MB to a tree. Sick of ravenous vegans on him until he's completely devoured. I don't know if I want to accept that just because I'm horrified by the idea. No, we're at that point when there's almost nothing left of you but a tiny, tiny bud. I would invite Hedda Locklear over. <laughs> she would eat that bud, and then a cycle and a psychological psychedelic dream would happen inside you, MB. What's left of you? Or you were banging Heather Locklear. As Dick Durock. Exactly. And then you dissolve in her stomach and die happily. <laughs> and I lift the curse that has been stuck on you since that luau. That and then I kill the way. vegans. <laughs> that is way not? better than I thought it would be. That, that's the perfect death for MB. That's MB the end. <laughs> <laughs> A Marvel Maxi series. <laughs> 
Okay. And by the way, your turn. By the way, um, before we continue, when you said tiki torches, all I could remember was this running joke we used to have. I think it was you and me, where we had seen Superman Brainiac attacks. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? No. Oh. Well, I used to have this running joke with someone. I, I can't believe it wasn't you. Where Lex Luthor has tiki torches at a luau that he holds. I, seriously, this is... Don't watch the actual movie because it's terrible, but that scene alone is kind of worth it. And it's Powers Booth as Lex Luthor, too. I know. He's playing the most over-the-top Luthor you could ever imagine. But he calls Superman buddy boy at one point. Yeah, and he said, one of his lines is, ooh, brain freeze. <laughs> and he's still drawn like Clancy Brown's Luther, too. I know. It's it's kind of amazing when you think about it as like a parody. So it's essentially Telly Savalas holding a luau to celebrate the death of Superman. And finally, that story comes full circle with Telly Savalas. <laughs> These are the kind that of jokes nice. you make with other people? Uh, apparently. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're wounded. <laughs> anyway, right, MB. That was very acceptable. MB. It's Saturday morning, and Mike has decided to go on a picnic. What does he pack? <laughs> he packs every single piece of artillery from the Punisher. Does that so he could do that speech? From the teaser trailer. And a bologna sandwich with mayo. Hmm. I'll accept it. Uh, accept that, Mike? Um, I wouldn't put mayo on a bologna sandwich. Oh. God. But I so wouldn't close. bring a bologna sandwich. Wait, would I? what kind of other condiments? One certain condiment would I put on a bologna sandwich? Ketchup. Correct. Because ketchup binds everything. Binds us and holds us and penetrates us. It is the fabric of our universe. Are you saying that ketchup is the force? More than the force, my friend. More what? than the force. There is a power that cannot be attained even by Jedi, and it is held within ketchup. But this is a topic for another time. <laughs> we will get into the, ma- the majestic nature, the majesty. Ketchup. There are plans in motion to explore the mythology of ketchup. That story, too, will be told. That was acceptable. Mike, it is midnight, and you are on the internet purchasing a new fan for your computer, which you take great pride in maintaining. Suddenly, you receive a phone call from MB, his voice frantic. After you call him down, he tells you that robed men with tattooed faces have entered his home, each holding a crimson staff with the figure of an owl at the hilt. He was able to hide under his bed before they caught sight of him, but he is watching them go from room to room, searching, and it is only a matter of time before they find him. Taking a moment to gather your thoughts... You tell MB that these are members of a religious order he met during his travels across the grove. They are dangerous, and they have a score to settle with you, and are not above using innocence as pawns in their revenge schemes. You pause again, and 
with a heavy sigh, you tell MB that he is going to be taken. But there is a chance he can survive this, if he listens very carefully to what you're about to say. Mike, what do you say? (laughs) (laughs) What do you say? Suck their dicks. That's the long and short of it, honestly. That's that's the perfect get-out-of-jail-free card. Suck their dicks. That flies with you, MB? That perfectly flies with me because that is the only logical conclusion I could ever come up with. Hmm. I'll accept it. Oh, it also says here that the members are gay, so that helps. Oh, see? It all works out. Yeah. My alternate... My alternate answer for that be call Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> he would know what to do. He would know what to do, to be fair. But time is time is of the essence here. You have to suck their dicks. Indeed. I mean, if you could contact Chris O'Donnell, he, you know, he'd bring LL Cool J. They'll come to your house and start busting some wigs. Indeed. And they'll alternatively call in backup in the form of Christian Bale and Brandon Ralph. <laughs> Driving the 60s Batmobile. <laughs> And solve, and solve crimes dressed in casual clothes. Yeah, I missed that old joke. Uh-huh. Uh, but you're still going to be taken by them, of course. But they'll leave you, keep you alive because you you suck yeah. dicks. Yeah, that's actually why they're coming for you. <laughs> coming. Um, I mean, the, the ir- ironic thing is, I'm not going to come save you, but you'll be alive. <laughs> and you know, it'll be all thanks to you. So your conscience is completely cleared. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're traveling the world again. You visit their pleasure dome, and you just see MB, like, nude with you know, a chain around his neck. It's really awkward. I mean, try not to make eye contact. Really, I think MB would end up getting really into the job. I mean, eventually it would become second nature. Yeah, so ultimately I think it, it works out for everybody in the end. So Yeah. Yeah, so that's my answer. Again, another appropriate end for MB. <laughs> <laughs> the many ends of MB. <laughs> All right, MB. If Mike decided to buy a suit, would he go with pinstripes or without? With. Absolutely with. Correct. All right. We have, we have, talk, we have talked about this in insane detail. The fact that one day Mike has to acquire a zoot suit. Yes. Another question, would I want coattails? Ah, Quizmotron did not think of that. I would say yes. Correct. Now, the perfect piece to add to this insanely convoluted, almost unwearable suit that you would (laughs) probably wear all the time, a big fedora with a feather in it. Yes, because I want to look as much like a character from Top Cat as possible. <laughs> it's his dream. I think that's everybody's dream deep down. Yeah. Or those wolves from those old Looney Tunes cartoons who are dressed in the zoot suits. Fucking love those guys. <laughs> Your dream is to one day be animated by Tex Avery. God. Yes. Well, your eyes do bulge out of your head every time you see a girl with a big rack, so you're halfway there. A lot of things bulge when I see a girl with a big rack. Well, that's mostly called heroin, to be honest. I have problems. Um, anyway, yeah. so. Yeah. 
I think you're depressing. <laughs> Another shocking revelation. Episode 50. <laughs> Secrets revealed. Private Hills. Alarming twitch. Mike, after selling your family's jade mine, you used the resulting fortune to become a captain of industry, starting the world-famous Lucky Death Industries. Within a few short years, you become a beloved figure in the business world, known for your colorful acts of charity and for the great compassion you have for the machines that make your company's calculations possible. One night, just before delivering a speech in front of your employees, you are assaulted and knocked unconscious by an unseen assailant. You awaken several hours later with a splitting headache, and horrified, you realize that you are in the sewers beneath the city. Just then, a figure emerges from the shadows, something you thought was merely the thing of urban legends, the horrible MB man of the sewer. After reacquainting you with Ed's hand, he convinces you to aid him in his upcoming bid for mayor, and soon the two of you are shooting a campaign ad. Mike, what is in that ad? MB Man of the Sewers, serving ice cream to kids. <laughs> Paper hat and all. I like it. Oh, that that is perfect. That is that is perfect. I even see the ice cream truck behind MB Man of the Sewers. Oh yeah. I imagine the truck is just emblazoned with MB Man of the Sewer means order. <laughs> <laughs> so MB. we go through this campaign with him as the MB Man of the Sewer. The horrible MB Man of the Sewer. <laughs> it's the hideous MB Man of the Sewer. <laughs> so that's my answer. That fly with you, MB? That flies with me. All right. MB. It's a late summer's day, and you're at Subway, picking up a sandwich for the two of you, when you realize that Mike never told you what he wanted on his. Using what you know of Mike, you try to guess what he would like on his sub. But, before you can, a well-dressed man stumbles into the building, bleeding. He collapses into your arms and reveals that he is, in fact, Bruce Wayne, and it is now up to you to continue his fight for justice and hands you a card bearing the address of the Batcave as the last bit of life inside him slips away. MB, you are now Batman. Congratulations. Unfortunately, on your first night on the job, you receive a chilling message from Commissioner James Gordon. A new villain is threatening to poison Gotham City if he does not receive a private audience with the Dark Knight detective. Reluctantly, you agree, and half an hour later, you walk in unarmed, into the abandoned Powerade factory this villain calls home. Silhouetted against a vat of arctic shatter stands a man dressed all in black, his left eye obscured by a monocle emblazoned with a large red M. You know this man well. Professor Mike, you rasp. What fiendish games are you playing this time? I have a proposition for you, he whispers, his cadence inscrutable, as he peels back a red curtain revealing two unconscious figures strapped to gurneys. You gasp as you realize that lying before you are two other Batmen, snatched from parallel realities through sorceress means. And not just any two Batmen, but Adam West and Michael Keaton, each still wearing their respective bat suits. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to it's, do it for dramatic effect, I'm sorry. 
It's then that Professor Mike lays out his master plan. With a single push of a button, he will release a cloud of toxic gas, killing each and every one of Gotham's citizens instantly, unless you walk over to one of the Batmen and slowly strangle the life out of him. The remote control is grasped firmly in Mike's hand. There's no way for you to get it from him before he can press the button. Your only choice is to kill Batman as Batman. Keeping in mind that this could all be just a hallucination from Scarecrow Toxin, who do you choose? Oh, God. Can I, can I stop for a second, though? Besides the fact this is the ultimate fucking scenario to stop MB. Like, you <laughs> built it. How did you build it and not me? It's insane. Uh, it, it was all Quizmotron. Uh, that's again. why it's good to get outside but, help. What I love about this is this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, the one who, you're the one who puts it all in motion. You're Professor Mike. It is true. It has nothing to do with answering a question about me. MB has to answer a question with himself. I just, I love that. I'm sorry. MB, go on. Okay, well, Which Batman would you kill to save Gotham City? As well, the- Batman. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> your one rule and also <laughs> killing your idol at the same time. Well, okay, first of all, before I answer the question, I just want to say Mike's, Mike's follow-up to when you said that is like Joker reacting to a villain nearly getting to kill Batman. <laughs> <laughs> like, he literally says... No, only I can kill MB. <laughs> Can't kill MB. Only I can present MB with a no-win situation. <laughs> only I can give him the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to make that. I just wanted to make that you know clear. Mike is the Joker. <laughs> Fifty episodes in, we finally reveal Mike is the Joker. Secrets revealed. Pope Nightmare. Secrets. Okay, now to answer the question itself. And by the way, I'm surprised that you didn't do a 180 and say after this entire scenario has happened, you then ask me what would be on Mike's sandwich. I was so <laughs> waiting for that, too. I was so waiting for the sandwich to somehow be brought back up. Like, I'm doing this because he never brought me the sandwich or something. <laughs> oh, well, Quizmotron isn't good at callbacks. I mean, he's a creature of pure logic. That is true. <laughs> And as for the answer to the question, hmm. I would say if I had to strangle either Michael Keaton as Batman or Adam West as Batman, Adam West, but not for the reason you would think. Adam West, because his face, as he's being strangled and turning blue, would be so entertaining to see that I would forget I'm killing Adam West. <laughs> Interesting answer, because there's an addendum written here. If you choose to kill Adam West, just before life sw- slips away, he opens his eyes, looks at you disappointed, and says, Old chum? Oh. Oh. And then a single tear rolls down his cheek. Oh. And the bat symbol on his chest. Oh, that's brutal, man. Michael Keaton would have stayed unconscious the whole time. He wouldn't have felt a thing. Oh, that—that's horrible. Are you happy, Batman? 
You're a terrible Batman. You know what? I did what I had to do. I will forever mourn on Adam West. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to agree with MB's assessment of which Batman he would kill, but this is my reason. How would you strangle Keen's Batman? He's wearing that rubber suit. You would only be able to, to strangle Adam West's Batman because he's wearing tights. That is a good point. See, that's another thing I took into consideration because he's wearing a huge, a huge. He's wearing a cowl with a huge neck. I love this show so fucking much. I know, me too, me too. It, but it's like logically, it can't even work. No, I mean, you you need like Superman level strength. Yeah. I like that you you never taken into account the fact that Professor Mike could just remove the cowl. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, he's too theatrical for that. Yeah. You have to look into the eyes of Batman as you're strangling Batman. You can't remove the fucking cowl. He has to look at Batman. Although I think it would be more disturbing if he took off the cowl and Keaton just had the dark circles around his eyes. It would look so (laughs) pathetic. (laughs) Now, Here's my thing, though. Now that Mike mentioned the whole rubber suit thing, I kind of wish I chose Michael Keaton because that way I couldn't kill either of them. <laughs> but by, choose, by but choosing Michael Keaton, I win the day. But that was the wrinkle. You're not going to be able to strangle him. I win. Wait, wait, wait. MB. So what you're saying is you had to save them both because, you see, you were both MB and Batman? Not because I had to be. Now. Because I choose to be. You are MB. Forever? Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> pr- Professor Mike lies in ruins at your feet. Why can't I kill, kill you? you? I love the description for Professor Mike, too. The monocle with the red M on it. So I can't even see out of it. <laughs> it's totally impractical, but he would do it. I'm bumping into things. Ah. <laughs> oh. You fall into a bat of Powerade. That's your origin. <laughs> I. How long did it take you to write up that scenario? Just. I sent it to Quizmotron. He sent it back in forty-seven point two seconds. The thing is amazing. I, I apparently incredible. We got to use him more often. I yeah. know. Archives. <laughs> I come back next week, and Quizmotron's the new host. <laughs> He would replace you, trust me. All right. All right, we're winding down to the final three questions. That was quick. All right, so Mike. enjoyable, too. Mike, supposing MB were to be killed in a fiery car crash, would you be willing to accept a new co-host, one capable of calculations far beyond the grasp of human? You know, you don't have to answer that one. Let's move on. MB. MB. The irony of that. If you were to be killed in a fiery car crash. uh, Okay. um, Let me find the next one. All right. um, Okay. Last question. And this is for both of you Mike and MB. You are both sitting in a red convertible, driving down an empty desert road. It's been 17 days since the zombie known only as Kinnison rose from the dead once again, 
punishing those it felt were unworthy of its love, and converting the rest into its own mindless, shambling zombie horde. No army was, no army could stand against them. No place was safe. No life was sacred. The Pulpocalypse had begun. Through cunning, wit, and teamwork, the two of you have escaped his agents so far. But there have been sacrifices. M.B. lost his arm during the siege on Mikevia, ripped away by a zombified birdman, whom he tearfully had to put down like a rabid dog. And during the first of the purging fires, Mike's VHS collection was forever lost. But, despite these great blows, you do not despair. This is it, M.B. says, as he adjusts the settings on the mechanical arm given to him by poor, doomed Flexo. This is our time to shine. Before he passed, Zombie Bird told you the location of Kinnison's secret base, a rebel to the last. Any regrets, Mike asks, as you approach the heavily fortified laboratory where your mad former mascot works to undo the rot and decay that has ravaged his body. He is mere hours away from perfecting a powerful serum, which he refers to as Solution X, which will not only restore his humanity and that of his undead army, but give them powers far beyond that of mortal man, possibly including telepathy. But there is one thing the zombie lord has not taken into calculation. In its raw form, Solution X is highly combustible. Regrets, says MB. Just one. You look behind you at the trunk of the car, filled with enough explosives to take down an aircraft carrier. I never got to finish Twin Peaks. Mike, you slam on the brakes, grimacing as you scream, How's this for a tale of the unaccountable, you green-skinned son of a bitch? Fuck yeah, cries Quizmotron from the back seat, as it pours one final martini down its taste processing unit. This won't save the world. No, it's too late for that. But when a civilization a hell of a lot smarter than ours visits this planet and sifts through the wreckage, they'll damn sure know that someone didn't go down without a fight. And as the three best friends ram their Cadillac into the secret desert base of Kinnison the Zombie, creating a pillar of flame that reaches the clouds above and an explosion that awakens the Almighty himself from his Sunday slumber, a single song can be heard playing over it. A song that says it all. A song that scores the end of the Pulp Nightmare universe. Mike, MB, what is this song? I've had the time of my life. It's... (laughs) (laughs) I would accept that. <laughs> and I've never felt this way before. And I swear that it's true. And, and I, I owe it all to you. To you. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Credits. By the way, I just want to say my favorite part of that whole scenario. The fact that when you go into All We've Lost, I lose one of my friends. Mike loses his VHS card. <laughs> it's appropriate. He w- No, I, it is. It, he would mourn that way more than a person. Not my Rocketeer VHS? 
He would create a memorial for his VHS collection that says, A Good Soldier. (laughs) (laughs) In your underground pulp base where you fight the forces of the pulpocalypse. Oh, wow. So yeah, that would probably be the song. I accept it. Only other alternate I could accept, depending on what kind of CD we could get, would be There's No Easy Way Out. Now, see, I was thinking of another song. The song that plays at the end of Con Air. Oh, yeah. That would also be a good one. I don't know if it's good enough for Con Air. It's good enough for UNMB at the end of the world. But the absolute most appropriate song is I've Had the Time of My Life. There's no other... We have to get that song. That's the only one that we would accept. You fight to get the rights to that song as the world is ending. (laughs) That would be the song. The end of the Pulp Nightmare universe. Because when you think about it, it's true. Throughout (laughs) Throughout these 50 episodes, you and Mike have had the time of your lives. And you owe it all to each other. Gay. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah. Poor dead Flexo. Poor doomed Flexo. And his mechanical artistry. It's, uh, you didn't, you, uh, there was no amendum to you in there, so did you. Did you just assume you're already dead? Well, apparently Quizmotron didn't take me into account, but I like to think that I'm witnessing it all from afar. He doesn't like you. I don't like you either. You better watch yourself. We're wanted men. I've got the death sentence in 12 systems. I'm telling you, I don't want any trouble. You pull out a gun. You'll be dead. (laughs) Anyway. So that's all the questions? Yeah, I am out of breath. That was that went brisk. Yeah, it went brisk, but it was jam-packed full of amazing content. Yeah, that was all 20? As Swamp Thing once said, I prefer quality over quantity. Spectacular. Spectacular. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the 50th episode of Pulp Nightmare. We have had the time of our lives. I hope you have, too. We had to pay for that. <laughs> I wanted so badly for MB to start clapping. <laughs> I was snapping my fingers. I was into it. But for this episode of Pulp Nightmare, I've been Mike. I have been MB. And I have been Hero. And I am Quizmotron. Have pleasant nightmares. Listen next week to another tale of the strange and terrifying. <laughs>